Hi, I'm Carol Pope, and you're listening to The Stewie Tunes Show with Tony Stewart and Aaron Badgley. So how do you go from making $10,000 a night to barely being able to get $250 per show all in the space of two short weeks? Stick around to find out. Welcome to The Stewie Tunes Show. These are rock and roll stories in 10 minutes or less. Here's your host, Tony Stewart. Hello and welcome to episode 9. It has been called rock and roll's first great scandal, and it nearly destroyed the career of one of rock's brightest stars, Jerry Lee Lewis. To find out what happened, we're going to need to take a trip in our time machine back to May 1958. So climb in, put your seatbelt on, and here we go. Jerry Lee Lewis is on top of the world. He's lit up the charts with several songs, including Whole Lot of Shaking Going On and, more recently, Great Balls of Fire. He's been giving Elvis Presley a run for his money. It seems like the public can't get enough of him, and his appearance fee is shot up to $10,000 a night. He's even appeared in a Hollywood film called High School Confidential. Not bad for a kid from Louisiana. Despite his musical success... His luck in the relationship department has been another story entirely. His first marriage ended in divorce, and he's now divorced from his second wife, and only recently married his cousin once removed, Myra Gale Brown. Hopefully the third time will be the charm, although he did get in a bit of hot water for marrying Myra before his divorce was finalized. But that's all water under the bridge. He feels invincible, and loves the new nickname that he's acquired. Killer. Things are so good, in fact, that his management team is discussing a great opportunity with him. Come on in, Jerry Lee. I've got some great news. I just got off the phone with a promoter from England, and they want you to do a tour. Not even Elvis has done that. At the mention of his rival Elvis, Jerry Lee perks up. That sounds amazing. Myra's never been to England, he replies excitedly. Um, about that, Jerry Lee, this is a little awkward. You may want to leave Myra back home here and do the tour alone. It'll only be for a month. Now, why would I want to do that, Jerry Lee replies indignantly. She's my wife, and she's coming with me. But the British press, no buts. Either Myra comes with me, or there's no tour. With that, Jerry Lee Lewis storms out of the room. His team knows that once he's made up his mind... There'll be no convincing him. Meanwhile, across the Atlantic, it seems like every teenager in Britain is excited about Jerry Lee's upcoming visit. Sure, they've had people like Bill Haley come over, but it was quickly noticed that he was in his 30s. This is different. Jerry Lee Lewis is a 23-year-old rock and roll sensation at the height of his fame. A large contingent of fans and a sizable press corps is waiting at Heathrow Airport as Lewis and his entourage get off the plane. They make their way inside to be interviewed and there is a buzz of excitement. Lewis's reputation as the wild man from Louisiana has preceded him. In the entourage are the singer, his manager, members of his band, and a very young girl who can't be more than 12 or 13 standing by his side. Jerry Lee calls out a reporter trying to get the singer's attention. Paul Tanfield, Daily Mail, welcome to England. 
Why, thank you. I'm happy to be here, Lewis replies, obviously impressed by the reception. After asking a few warm-up questions, Tanfield turns to the young girl by Jerry Lee's side and asks her, And who are you, miss? I'm Myra, answers the girl, Jerry Lee's wife. Tanfield is visibly taken aback. He turns to Jerry Lee. Oh, how old is Myra? Jerry Lee was warned about this before the trip. Pausing for a second, he replies, Um, she's 15, thinking that this sounds like a more mature age than her actual age of 13. Myra then jumps in and says, Fifteen isn't too young to get married back home. You can get married when you're ten if you can find a husband. This shocks everyone, and after a brief awkward pause, the grilling continues. After getting tired about answering questions about her young age, Lewis goes on to assert that Myra is a grown woman and ends the interview. The next day, which is also the first tour date, the press has a field day. Fifteen is below the age of consent in England, and after doing a bit of digging, they report that she is actually only thirteen and is also his cousin once removed. This might be something they do in Louisiana, but in England, Lewis could be considered a criminal. It hasn't helped that Jerry Lee can't seem to figure out what all the fuss is about. As he looks out the window of the posh Westbury Hotel at the crowds of protesters gathered below, Myra is sitting on the bed watching a British children's television show. This will all blow over, he thinks, when I get on stage tonight. Evening comes, and as Jerry Lee walks out on stage, he is surprised to see that the theatre is half full. He had expected it to be packed. However, he launches into his set, but is annoyed when shouts of Child Snatcher and Cradle Robber interrupt him repeatedly. It is not a good night. He heads back to the Westbury, thinking that things will get better as the tour goes on. The next day, Lewis is greeted by a group of police officers who show up at the hotel. Mr. Lewis, we'd like to ask you a few questions, one of the officers says. Yeah, sure, he replies, still not entirely sure why they are making such a fuss about this. The police ask both him and Myra questions about their marriage and then finally leave. The press is even worse the next day. Newspapers have both his and Myra's pictures splashed all over the front page and they are openly speculating about him breaking British laws because she is only 13. At the House of Commons, a debate is going on about how things should proceed. As the throng of protesters grows larger outside the hotel, Lewis and his entourage are informed that the Westbury wants them to leave. The Westbury is a luxury hotel, and this isn't good for their reputation. As they are leaving the hotel, reporters are desperately trying to question Jerry Lee, and he does his best to downplay the situation pointing out that it isn't that unusual in Louisiana for girls to be married at the age of 13. His manager also tries his best to do damage control, but the press isn't buying it. Jerry Lee tries to distance himself from the scandal and just concentrate on his live shows, but at the next two concerts he gets more of the same treatment. Frustrated, everyone agrees that it is for the best that the remainder of the tour be cancelled, and he and Myra board a plane to head back to the United States. Jerry Lee looks forward to getting back home and playing to sold-out shows and appreciative audiences. As they land in New York, a throng of journalists is waiting inside the airport. Jerry Lee Lewis realizes that the story has followed him back to America.
All right, welcome back to the present. Any hopes that Jerry Lee Lewis had that this scandal wouldn't follow him home were quickly dashed. His rock and roll career was effectively over. And as I mentioned at the start of the show, he went from commanding $10,000 per evening to barely being able to get $250, and those gigs dried up pretty quickly. Lewis did manage to have some success on the country charts in the 60s, but his star never shone as brightly again. Myra divorced him in 1970 after 12 years of marriage. She was 25. Her book about her marriage to Jerry Lee was the basis for the 1989 film Great Balls of Fire, starring Dennis Quaid. One fallout from this scandal was that other stars were put on notice. Elvis Presley had recently fallen for 14-year-old Priscilla Bolia, and this was kept very secret. Of course, scandals became an everyday part of rock and roll in the decades that followed, but this was the first big one. Well, that's all we've got for today. It's hard to believe that our next episode will be episode 10. If you're enjoying this show, please consider leaving a rating and a review wherever you get your podcasts. Those ratings and reviews really help independent podcasters like me get noticed and get found. Until then, stay safe, be well, and see you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Stewie Tune Show. For more rock and roll stories in 10 minutes or less, hit subscribe. Okay, thanks for sticking around. That was a really fun show to make, actually, uh, because Jerry Lee Lewis was a fascinating topic. So let's go over a couple of things. Um, This uh, extension on the episode, this bonus content, I had a listener, Paul Schwartz, contact me and said that he really enjoyed the podcast, but wishes they were a little bit longer. So, Paul, I'm taking your advice, and I think I'm going to do this from now on. Uh, include the commentary on how the episode was made, what I embellished, what's true, um, interesting facts about those people, whoever I'm talking about in that story. So here we go. Let's get started with uh, episode nine, our notes here. First of all, any conversations uh, in these podcasts obviously are made up by me. Uh, When I come up with the idea for a topic, I usually write a script first, and then I'll add conversations in. I really like that narration style. I started doing that in episode 8, and um, really like the results. So I think I'm going to do that fairly often from now on. But those conversations are totally scripted by me, uh, because I can't know exactly what's said. Uh, But in this case, we had uh, several conversations going on in this episode, and uh, the conversation where they're trying to convince Jerry Lee not to bring Myra to England, that conversation did actually happen. And um, in the room were Judd Phillips, who was his manager, and Sam Phillips, who was his brother. Now, Sam Phillips is also the man who is known as uh, discovering Elvis Presley. So Sam Phillips, owner of Sun Studios, and his brother Judd, who was uh, Jerry Lee's manager, were trying to convince him not to bring Meyer to England. They just knew this was not going to go over well. But um, Jerry Lee Lewis was a stubborn guy, and he would have none of it. So, uh, of course, this whole thing unfolded the way it did. The other conversation was the one in the airport uh, when they landed in London. Paul Tanfield of the Daily Mail was one of the uh, names that came up when I was researching this episode. He helped break the story about Jerry Lee marrying his 13-year-old cousin. 
I don't know in the airport if Paul Tanfield was the one who actually asked the question, but um, I figured it made sense for this episode, so I did use him as a character in this episode. But just so you're aware, you know, he may not have been the one who asked the question directly in the airport, but because this is a narration-style podcast, it made for uh, good listening, I think. The tour was supposed to be 36 dates. It ended up only being three. It was a total disaster on every level. Um, Jerry Lee expected to go back to the States and leave it behind him, and of course it didn't. It basically ended his rock and roll career. So next let's talk about uh, Myra Gail Brown. She was 13 when she uh, married Jerry Lee, of course, as you know. Um, She was the daughter of Jerry Lee's first cousin, J.W. Brown, now, this gets a little more complicated because uh, J.W. Brown also played uh, bass in his band, so that uh, that was a little uncomfortable. They were married for 12 years until she divorced him in 1970. She was 25, and um, she wrote an, an autobiography called Great Balls of Fire. That autobiography inspired the film, which I'm going to talk about next. So Great Balls of Fire, the movie, came out in 1989, and... Uh, some terrific performances by Dennis Quaid and Winona Ryder. Jerry Lewis himself watched it and he said uh, they took some pretty big liberties with the truth, but uh, I still think the movie's worth watching. It's it's entertaining, first of all, and uh, Quaid and Ryder are excellent. And it does a great job of showing that meteoric rise after he had his first number one, and then, of course, his equally meteoric fall. Uh, one thing I wasn't aware of is that um, he's uh, related to Jimmy Swaggart. And Jimmy Swaggart was played by Alec Baldwin in the film, and those scenes are pretty funny, actually. Finally, we should talk about um, Jerry Lee's life. So as I mentioned, uh, before the England tour, you know, his appearance fee was $10,000, which is incredible. Those are $1958. I'm a professional musician, and I can tell you I've never made... a night, even in $20, That's just astounding. So by the time uh, he he married Myra, that was his third marriage, if you can believe that. That fact blew me away. So married for the third time. He was 22 when he married Myra. She was 13. His first marriage was when he was 16. And then uh, his second marriage was controversial because... He didn't let the divorce finalize before he married his second wife. And then the same thing happened again when he married Myra. The divorce wasn't finalized. This guy, Jerry Lee, has been married seven times, most recently in 2020, or sorry, 2012. And um, that, that's incredible as well. We should talk about his career because, uh, you know, he was a, a pretty flamboyant character, but at the end of the day, had a had a great career. He's got four Grammy Awards, including Lifetime Achievement Award. Um, He was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in the first class in 1986. During the 60s, after his rock and roll career kind of ended, he did have some success in uh, country music, and then, of course, on uh, revival tours later on. um, He did experience success as well, but really his peak was in 1958, they really thought he was going to take over from Elvis because Elvis had, had uh, signed up for army duty, and but uh, it wasn't to be, unfortunately. 
So Jerry Lee Lewis is still with us. He's 84 years old. He had a stroke in 2019, but seems like he's fully recovered. And I read that um, he had plans to go into the studio in March of this year, March 2020. Those plans, I'm not sure if they materialized or not because of the pandemic, but um, that would be pretty neat if they did. And uh, he was going to do a gospel album, so good for him. No matter what happens, I think history will be kind to Jerry Lee Lewis when uh, he does pass and leave us. Um, He was an important figure in early rock and roll. He was a foundational figure and inspired uh, many, many people, his piano playing for sure. I wasn't aware of this, but um, Jerry Lee was asked if he could learn the guitar instead of the piano. The idea, the thought at the time was that you can't use uh, piano as a rock and roll instrument. So he turned that idea on its head, inspired people like Elton John and many others. Um, He also, along with Little Richard, was one of those rock and roll performers who had his own personality and and, uh, didn't kowtow to what everybody else wanted. So that kind of set a template for future rock and roll artists uh, and uh, definitely an important figure in... uh, rock and roll history and a great figure to cover for one of these stories well that's all i've got for today thanks for listening to me ramble here but i do like this idea i think i'll make it part of the show from now on so as i'm recording uh, this uh, little ramble of mine here i've already started working on episode 10 and i can't believe we're on uh, episode 10 already coming up but uh Episode 10 is crazy. You will not believe the story. The truth really is stranger than fiction, so stay tuned for that. And I'm sure my commentary afterwards will be pretty interesting. In the meantime, uh, I mentioned before, anytime you can leave a rating or a review, that really helps independent podcasters like me. It helps us get found, so please do that. And uh, as always, thanks again for listening. And uh, I hope you and your family are well and healthy during this pandemic. We will get through this. But in the meantime, take care, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.